Good morning. Happy Wednesday. Welcome to Adam vs. the Man. Today is, what is it? Oh, yes, November 11th, 2020, Veterans Day. Another Veterans Day. Another day of propaganda and militarism and nostalgia. Maybe we'll even go meet some or eat some member berry pie for uh, for for dessert tonight. But the uh, our military worshiping that is taking place today all over the country is, uh, you know, I mean, we we can we celebrate veterans with something other than a mattress sale? Oh wait, no, that's Memorial Day. Oh, Memorial Day, right? And just most Americans don't even, you know. D- don't even care about this kind of stuff. It's it's another day. It's a, oh, it's a federal holiday. Oh yeah, we're gonna say something nice to veterans today. Oh yeah, happy veterans. Oh yeah, and then the other you know 364 days out of the year, forget about 22 veteran suicides today. Oh wait, no, that's not right because we also have Memorial Day. People people mix these up, but Memorial Day is for dead veterans. Veterans Day is for all veterans. And why do we do this? You know, why why do we have well, we have two days? Two days. I mean, we should have more, really, right? You know, we have we have to have a distinct holiday in May for Memorial Day, and uh, then there's Armed Forces Day honoring those currently serving in the military, and then there's also Women Veterans Day, recognized by a growing number of U.S. states that specifically honors women who have served in the U.S. military. Now, if you're wondering about my somewhat dismissive tone about this propaganda exercise. It's not to the people involved, but, you know, uh, hate the war crimes, not the war criminals, right? And in this case, I, I, don't, I don't mean to say that, that everybody who's in the military is a war criminal. Of course not. Uh, most of us serve as pawns, unknowing, uh, not understanding what it means to be cannon fodder, to join the military and to really essentially say, I am I am willing to kill for politicians. They say you're signing up to die for your country to write that, that blank check to your life and hand it over to the U.S. government. Well, who controls the government? Well, come on, don't be so naive. And, you know, I, what, is, what is the purpose of government? Keep the super rich getting richer and the rest of us getting relatively poor. And war and militarism are really important primary ways that the government achieves this. Of course, part of that would be to protect the banking racket that's at the heart of government and, and its ability to serve its purpose. You have all these different holidays, four holidays. Memorial Day, Armed Forces Day, Veterans Day, Women Veterans Day. Now, at what point do you just go, screw it? Every day is military day in America, and that's really the point that they've gotten us to. Although I'd like to think now this is this is shifting. And, you know, I'm not here to, to celebrate veterans or yeah, – what, what does it say about you if the day that you choose to honor veterans is the one where government tells you to? Now, there's, there's a little more to this, of course. You know, why did it come out of November 11th, Armistice Day? And Armistice Day was uh, celebrated widely prior to it becoming Veterans Day officially, because the government said so, as a celebration of the end of World War One. 
celebrated as Armistice Day and Remembrance Day in other countries. And I think, well, what are what are we remembering here? You know, what what what's the point? What, this is a celebration of the end of the First World War. You would think that celebrating that might have, you know, prevented another world war from happening. <laughs> no. Uh, hmm. You want to honor veterans, stop making so many who are going to be especially prone to suicide and all the other things that we face as veterans, as challenges here in the United States. And I, I don't want to say, like, you know, honor us. That's bullshit. And there is something. I, I, you know, I will say there is something honorable and noble about putting your life on the line for something you believe in. But there's also something recklessly naive and irresponsible in signing up to kill for politicians for money. Now, oh, well, not everybody's doing that. Some people are like, hey, I just want to I'd in the Marine Corps to get my teeth fixed. Yeah, well, there's, there's that. There's, you know, you want to be a cook in the Coast Guard. Okay, okay. You're not really killing people. And if you join the Marines, we can say, yeah, you're, yeah, you're in that category. Check that box, right? Uh, every Marine a rifleman. And even if you're not, you know, someone yesterday when we were debating this for the Marine Corps birthday, November 10, someone wanted to, to say, well, you know, what if you just joined to be a medic because you just want to heal people? You're not becoming a doctor, you're becoming a military medic. If that means, now the Marines, we don't even have those, right? We have corpsmen, as in, uh, of the Corps from the Navy, who come and go through Navy basic, and they go through medical, uh, field medical training to be a field medic for the Marines. And so we'll say, well, oh, you're not signing up to kill, you're really just signing up to heal. You know how many corpsmen have killed in combat? You know, you've been killed in combat. Not insignificant numbers there. And maybe you join with entirely honorable intentions. Maybe you even did a little bit of research and determined that, oh yeah, this is uh, this is, it's not as it's cut and dry as it seems. It's not all sunshine, rainbows, and American flags. There's uh. You know, we talk about war. You know, there is something to say for those of us who have been there, who have seen it. And in my case, you know, I did seven months in Fallujah in 2004. I got, I got, you know, like a, a taste of combat. I was in the uh, the siege of Fallujah, April 2004, the first battle of Fallujah. But to those of us who have seen it. And you can tell those who talk about it like they have, who haven't. This little three-letter word, war, isn't just another excuse for a holiday. There's a dirty, gritty, deadly, disgusting reality to that. Hopefully you can honor veterans by keeping that in mind 
from now on. If you're so inclined to celebrate Veterans Day, celebrate it for its an original for its original intent. A celebration of the end of war. And when we stop giving any emotional weight to these silly state propaganda holidays, maybe we can actually see an end to war once and for all. Welcome to the show. Today we have uh, some. We have, we have a little bit of a Veterans Day news block lined up for you. We also have uh, Corona updates. We've been we've been a little remiss covering uh, covering the election recently. I hate to say we fell for it, but yeah, to a certain degree, uh, we did. We fell for the uh, the distraction of the worst election of your lifetime and. So we do have we do have some follow up on that today. It's going to be fun. We've got a, we got a COVID update, of course. You know we've been hitting this throughout the election. Oh my gosh, is it, it's Wednesday, a week a week after the election, and we're we're only now maybe becoming sure who our next president will be. Uh, yeah, it's uh it's an interesting situation. We're going to get into that. Uh, let's get comment Jim Freedom up on here and CJ as well. We got a three veteran team here for Adam versus the man as the uh, the on screen team, if you will, are with the other two members of our core team: uh, Mercedes Dan Rutowski in uh, Nebraska and Marcus Pugh. Uh, she's our, our debate manager, and actually, as we're working on that, we're possibly taking on bigger role, helping out here with Adam versus the man and Marcus Pulis, our guest booker in Indiana. Uh, not veterans, but our, our three are our executive producers, CJ Abernathy, he's also a Marine Corps combat veteran, and Jim Comment, Jim Freedom, is an Army vet. So if you, you guys want to jump up on screen here for a minute, let's uh, let's check in with our our co-hosts and uh, and the audience. CJ, uh, I, I know yesterday we got into the, the issue of the Marine Corps birthday. There's no way that's not going to be an emotional subject for every Marine because yeah, they get it. They say you don't get through boot camp without letting them into your head a little bit, right? Oh, what? <laughs> uh, I don't even know what to say, Adam. Honestly, it's, uh, uh, you got me tongue-tied. Um, you know, like I said, uh, there, you know, I just come into terms with the fact, it's like, okay, well, are we, are we war criminals, Adam? Or are we, are, are, I mean, is that where we're going with this? It's like, hey, hey, guys. War criminals over here. <laughs> I mean, what what uh, what role does an individual play? I mean, I don't know. I went to Iraq. I went to Afghanistan. I've seen my fair share of stupid shit in this world, and uh, I don't think that it's. I don't think that it's. Uh, I don't think the individual person, at least that I would meet, would say they're happy in war. Like, everybody that, at least that I was associated with, was always wanting to be home with family. They didn't want to be in Iraq. They wa- I mean, all of us were thinking, like, maybe we will be the ones that end this thing, you know? Like, and then I, it just well, railroads past you, and you're like, oh, they're still there 10 years later? Like, oh, man, the same chow halls are still operating? Like, dang. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. I mean, that's a crazy thought. So, I mean, it's. It's just kind of weird. I know that the guys that watch the guys that clean the toilets make more than I did. So, I mean, I mean, it, it, 
it's it's just all racketeering. It is it is a it's it's, it's really stupid. And you uh, say watch the guys who clean the toilets. You mean like KBR contractors supervising yeah, yeah, local yeah. national? You know you know yeah you know like the guys that are making the real money, the real money. Yeah. Well, no, they're not. You know what? They're not though. You talk about the boots on the ground for KBR. They're still pawns. They're still at that lower level. I mean, it's the like, Dick Cheney's. No, no. I think like the, the military would be the pawns. The the contractors would be more like your rooks. You know, like I don't know. I've watched major convoys. You know, I've, I've seen I've seen like how they do commerce into like military bases. It's pretty crazy. It's a large process, but. Um, you know, there's 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 a lot to it. I mean, you think about like Al Assad, Iraq, right? That that place is is like a, a resource heavy place in Iraq, and they they're not just going to hand it over to the Iraqi people. It's going to take a long time, and you can like you can still like Google you can go on Google Earth and look at like where we stayed in the barracks, like little or the little camp that they had set up for all of us, and. It's really weird. It, it's just a, it's an interesting time, uh, but and I don't think it's really necessarily a war crime on the individual scale to blame the pawns in the war, though. I mean, do we get blamed because we just decided we were going to be part of it? Like, I mean, honestly, I mean, we go up propagandized by government successfully, and uh, they put you know most of us end up joining the military for one reason or another, and then uh, you know the ones that make it through. Uh, you know, we, have, we we get to deal with it as if, you know, it's the rest of our life, really. There's a lot of people that do take pride in it, Adam. When you when you were doing your status character about my pride in killing for government, like, there are those people that they legitimately do have pride in it, and, and, and we're in it for those reasons. But, I mean, again, I think a lot of it has to do with the individual because, I mean, think about it. If you wouldn't have came into, if you wouldn't have went into the Marine Corps would you be the same Adam Kokesh today? I mean, of course not. No. So you have you have that experience that now you can levy as experience in when you talk about war, when you talk about your discussion in it. Uh, you know, and and you're humble about your experience. You know? I, I don't know about about that though. I I, I got to remind everybody one of my favorite lines from Ron Paul. Remember when Ron Paul was running for president, we were still debating the virtue of the war in Iraq, and he said. You don't have to go to Iraq to read the Constitution. Yeah, I like yeah, what you uh, shouldn't have to. You shouldn't. I mean, it. it, it, it but I want. I want to go back to this this poor issue today of responsibility for war crimes as a, as the individual soldier. Like, at what point uh, do you become more than a victim? Right. And I would I would say for the most part I was a victim. For the most part I was a victim of propaganda. Right. I was lied to. Uh, you know top to bottom, about military service, about government, about terrorism, about what we were doing in Iraq. And in that sense, I'm, I'm an unwitting accomplice. Uh, but it's really important. And, and, and CJ, I, I know that, I, I mean, it sounds to me like there's, there's, there's something in your, uh, that, that you haven't really settled or fully processed about your military experience or what it means to be a combat veteran in America today, or especially around this issue. You know what? I, I think there's a term for this. It should be called vet-splaining. Please, vet-splain to me. <laughs> Please, Adam, vet-splain this to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, older 
older, wiser, more stoned veteran over here, uh, <laughs> better capable of taking perspective and processing this. Uh, I, I, I think if you are an unwitting accomplice, you are not responsible. You are not a criminal. Uh, you, you do not bear responsibility for the crime itself. You may have some, uh, you know, you do have a certain responsibility in the sense that you made it possible uh, by enlisting. But even there, in a sense, you're an unwitting accomplice to militarism itself because there obviously there's lies in that whole process. So in order to really learn the lessons of our experience for America, for the world, we have to be able to stand firm in that and understand what our responsibility is and isn't. We didn't design the policy. We didn't lie about it. And, you know, we were victims of, of manipulation in, in many ways and fraud. Uh, but if, if we don't face up to what that means, if we're not willing to admit our mistake of falling for the racket, because not everybody did, you know, and, 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 and be able to courageously come out and say, I was a victim of propaganda, I fell for it, and as a result, I was a party to a war crime. I was a part of it. I was an accessory. I was an unwitting accomplice. And if we don't do that, if we don't have the courage to face up to that, then a lot of people are going to fall back on how the powers that be want us to be asleep as citizens of the empire and say, oh, yeah, whatever the military does and says, well, if the troops are behind it, then we support it. And I, I hope that you can get at least – and this is really an important message for every veteran in being able to talk about this – is you got to get settled with that so that you can come home. And I, I, I had to deal with this early on. CJ, uh, I understand – like, I, I say this as a guy who took 10 years to go from being a libertarian in name only to understanding it. And when I got out of the military, uh, you know, there was a, there was an I went through a, a pretty significant psychological and emotional process because uh, I got uh, yeah I, I I got in trouble, you know, for uh, you know deny the chance to go back. But you know, CJ, you said uh, that nobody over there wanted to be there. I did. I was I was really one of those. Sick fucks. I was in when I was in. I tell the story about boot camp. Like they, they had us do, uh, you know, watch TV. You know, you remember this one from boot camp, CJ? You get in the push-up position, so you put your hands on your chin, and so you're, you're you're resting on both of your elbows. You know, in plank position. It changed the channel. You had to like reach out with one hand and do this. Uh, you know, stuff like that. And and I, I'm on the outside. You know, summer after I get out of high school, and I'm sweating and screaming and crying on the outside like everybody else, but on the inside, I'm going like. Man, this is a good exercise. Yeah, I learned how to kill. Yeah, let's do this. And I, like I said, I volunteered to go to Iraq because I wanted to be the first kid on my block with a confirmed kill. So that psychological process was pretty uh, significant for me to come out of that. And, and I really was forced, you know, I mean, I spent, you know, my first year with Iraq Veterans Against the War when I got out, uh, 2007, grappling with this issue. And you have so much you got to process about yourself, about people you saw die, that to, 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 to get through all of that and be, and be able to, with confidence and from a, a place of 
being at peace with yourself, say, yeah, I was a party to a war crime because I was lied to and I was an unwitting accessory. Uh, I think it's really critical that we get to that point. Uh, it looks like we lost CJ. Is that just, oh, there we go. CJ, before we get to Jim, any, any, anything else on that? I, I mean, I, I got I to gotta make sure that I got this process here. I mean, like I said, uh, it's, it's a it's a trip. Um, I don't. Again, I I just I I don't know. It's it is what it is, man. And uh, if you ended up, uh, I mean, like I said, my last months in the Marine Corps were spent telling the uh, younger PFCs and privates that were getting in trouble and trying to get kicked out because they just didn't want to be in. They were conscientious objectors. They were the guys that called the GI hotline that you put on the screen. They were those guys. And I was the guy that said, hey, uh, you know, you can stay in if you want uh, or you can get out and if, if you want. Um, but either way, uh, it's, it's, up, it's up to you because they're not going to drag you to a combat zone if you don't want to go. They're really not. Yeah, you can get out. And this is so, uh, Jim. Sorry to keep you waiting there. And for our, but, our commenters so, and, and, and the audience, before we go any further, CJ, let's get that suicide hotline and <laughs> GI right yeah. hotline dot org up on the screen here for any. And, and you know, I, I again just general mental health reminder for everybody. Shit's nasty right now. People are pissed. People are stressed. People are sad and depressed and stress and it is absolutely critical that we look out for one another especially if you have someone in your life who you haven't heard from in a while you haven't been in touch with family members maybe reach out to them check in with them but especially you know uh, as well we got veterans day being across the screen today let's let's take you know if we're going to take this you know federal holiday for anything let's take it to to fight as as a reminder to fight government on this most important issue of militarism. So if you know someone in the military who, you know, wants to get out early, uh, and, and, you know, big shout out to uh, to all the war resistors out there, everybody disobeying illegal orders. And so, Steve, if, if, uh, well, I want to go back for, for a second, but uh, first, just to finish this this, this public service announcement, and then we'll, we'll get to Jim and, or, and the comments and the promos uh, and then some headlines. But if, if uh, you know, you can hook someone up, with the and why don't you just keep keep that rolling across the bottom there for a while, CJ? We have the National Suicide Rights or Suicide Hotline, <laughs> and they they do have a specific military option. You can did I miss something? I was clicking the scroller on CJ. Oh, was okay. like, look, no hands. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. Uh, so if if you again, you know, just be looking out for everybody. Uh, but but if you can take today as just a, a special reminder, think about veterans, think about guys on active duty who are uncomfortable. With this. And it's sort of like I don't care why you do the right thing as long as you do the right thing. If you want to get out of the military because Biden might be commander in chief or because Trump might still be commander in chief, well, I don't care. Uh, I mean, I'd rather you be doing it for the right reasons. I'd rather uh, th- that there be a, a conscientious objection rather than a an instinctual or emotional. Uh, uh, objection, but whatever it is, GIRightshotline.org. Uh, I will promote them every chance I get. If, if you want help getting out as a conscientious objector or you are in other ways legally challenged as active duty military, GIRightshotline.org is the place to go. 
So, Jim, thanks for uh, sitting there on screen for all that back and forth. How you doing this morning? I'm doing well, thanks, brother. How's it going? What does Veterans Day mean to you? Um, absolutely nothing. <laughs> but, but Jim, you're a veteran. You're a veteran. You the flag and help recruiters out today. What's wrong with you? You're a bad American. Before I'm pre 9/11, so I'm not. I, I literally joined the service because my girlfriend was pregnant and I was going to get married. So I was like, well, that's the most secure job I can think of, you know. And then weeks into boot camp. Uh, she didn't want to get married no more, you know, and had an abortion. Like, yeah. I, like, I didn't care about anything. I did use that motivation, though, and I graduated boot camp with honors. I graduated AIT distinguished with honors. I was highly motivated. But then when I got out of that, it was just like a regular job in Fort Hood. There was no wars going on or nothing. It was just like, okay, this is stupid. And I was only there for two years, and like I said, no wars. So I don't even feel like a veteran. I just feel like a guy who went and did a little bit of training and then fixed a few generators for a while. And I was done. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hey, CJ, uh, just quick, what, what years were your deployments? Uh, I went to Iraq in 2007 and uh, to Afghanistan in 2009. So it, it's, if, if you split hairs down to micro-generations, we've technically got like three generations of vets here, uh, immediately pre-9-11, uh, although I was, I was pre-9-11 when I enlisted, but, you know, then like sort of earlier rock for me, and, and you know, our first, first wave of the occupation, I don't know, so like when it was still, you know, before things had fully settled out, you know, full, anyway, I, I got to stop this. But CJ, as you point out, being a little bit younger than me, slightly different perspective, what year did you enlist? 2006. So by the time you enlisted, the Iraq War was already, and, and Afghanistan occupations were already well underway. Did, how, yeah. how did that factor into your decision? Uh, what do you mean by factor into my decision on going? Like, did you join the military with the intent of deploying to Iraq or Afghanistan? No, I actually joined because I thought I was going to play the saxophone. <laughs> Marine Corps band. Woo! All right. So, Jim, I, I really appreciate that perspective. Uh, and, and there's a certain – I think that, again, to, to the honorable intentions, I, I think this speaks to your character uh, of a certain humility that, you, you know, you'll ah, – I did honors here and honors there, but uh, that, that you don't try to put yourself in kind of special status. I don't know if that speaks – I don't think it speaks to the military and institution so much as the – you know, general honorable intent of those who join. Very few people enlist with delusions of grandeur, like I'm going to, you know, win the Medal of Honor and go to the White House and become a propaganda puppet for the government. I like, wanted to play the saxophone for the President of the United States. <laughs> That's what I wanted to do. And, <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, so, I mean, it was uh, – I, I, I ended up – I was dating a girl who, uh, who, who well, essentially – uh, like, well, put it to you this way, she didn't want to really be with somebody who wanted to be in the military, in the Marine Corps, and, and deal with all that. So I wanted to join, and uh, I thought playing in the band would be something I could do. And then uh, it turns out that uh, I, I decided to go to active duty instead of doing the band, and uh, decided to be a combat engineer, and uh, I, you know, did route clearance, so... So what, I mean, 
you to make that switch from from playing in the bands to going active duty and going to the war? Like, it sounds like you went from I don't want to go to war to I do want to go to war for some reason. What caused that? Well, I mean, when you join, you know, in the Marine Corps, volunteer, voluntold. You know, if you volunteer, it's a, it, it, can, it can be an easier, uh, you know, path to, uh, to go. So, you know, you, you kind of figure out, okay, well, if I'm going to go to a war zone, what do I want to be involved in? And, and so I go, well, the safest thing you can do is, is looking like this route clearance stuff because, you know, there's, there's uh, you know, buffaloes, cougars, huskies. You know, there's all these route clearance vehicles they're coming out with to find these roadside bombs. The IEDs that I've seen more IED footage in my life to live. I mean, it's it's it, we we grew up watching the videos coming out of of the time that you were in Iraq, and they're like, if you uh, do this wrong, this could be you. And here's a whole boom. Like there's there's ten people, you know, just dead. Here's to Chelsea Manning, Julian Assange, WikiLeaks. And collateral murder. Yeah, collateral murder. Collateral murder? What's your thing to this? That was the name of the famous video that uh, Manning got to WikiLeaks. Helicopter shooting guys down. Helicopter gunning down a band full of journalists and civilians. Oh, no, I'm not saying there were people that came to try to take him away. Yeah. Yeah, shooting people. To, yeah, uh, it's it, if you haven't seen yeah. it, uh, it's it's a, it's a it's a worthwhile watch. It's uh, it's not too graphic because it's a black and white shot from the helicopter, um, but it is it's real life murder by the military of civilians from a helicopter shooting machine guns. And uh, hey, where's this video at? Uh, producer, I feel like this is like something I should be like putting on the screen. No, actually, <laughs> you know, unless you can get, get pull up some screenshots that don't have actual violence, because um, I, I, this is this is a place where like this is one of the like we don't really have. I mean, if something came up in the news and there was a reason to show nudity on Anniversary of the Man, like we wouldn't be afraid to show it. Um, you know, same thing with with violence, but like we're not gonna. You know, we we don't uh, sort of an editorial policy we've never really examined here. But no, I'm not going to put. And this is like one of the one of the sort of community guidelines that I, I would generally respect. Is that and, and I would put a warning, you know. And I so no, and there's no reason to actually show this. But if you want to put up a screenshot uh, of the collateral murder video, it's black and white, and and, and it's it's kind of grainy. Maybe, we'll, gray. Maybe we'll, we'll see if we can make a a more appropriate. Uh, version for that next time we want to discuss that. Yeah, so I, I think like the, the maybe the only time I've ever put like graphic yeah, violence in YouTube yeah, right. video, other than just like stock footage or you know B roll type stuff, was in uh, the video I did called "The Restraint of Muslims," which was originally censored and then uncensored on YouTube. Weird is that still up there, CJ? Can you look real quick? "The Restraint of Muslims," because this is. And by the way, if you haven't watched this, please. Uh, Put the link in the comments there. Watch it after the show today. It's really important for perspective on the scale of violence done by Muslims versus against Muslims historically. And I included uh, a shot of the footage of the Jordanian pilot being burned by ISIS. At least that's what is allegedly happening in that video. But it does look like a man being burned alive. 
Um, but I put a big warning on it, you know, and I would not, I would not just sort of randomly subject people to stuff that has that, you know, visceral emotional potential for negativity or triggering. It's got 407,000 views from five years ago. Yeah, that one. And, and, and most of those five years, it was not available. <laughs> I know, you it's probably been seen on many other platforms too. It's on WikiLeaks. Uh, yeah, the, that, some of some of the videos I've done over the years have been so compelling that people will just rip them and post them around to their own channels. The uh, American Sniper, uh, Chris Kyle, Thirty Minute Man on the Street, one that I did. That's one like that. Uh, but the Restraint of Muslims is another kind of really important one. So Jim. Uh, well, let's do our promos, then we'll get back to Jim and maybe a contest and talk to our audience. But remember, this is an independent media production. We require an active and engaged audience to exist, to function. And the coolest way that we actually have that right now is with the Producers Club. And it is so much fun. I'm in this I, all day. I Basically, if, you, if you're if you in the, the Producers Club, uh, well, first of all, I mean, you got my number in the Telegram group anyway. But it's like we have this, this text conversation that is our – editorial team for Adam versus the man as just continuous. The whole core team is in there. And if you go to Adam versus the man.com and uh, find the Patreon link, it takes you to patreon.com slash Adam versus the man and $10 a month. You can buy your way into the producers club. It's a lot of fun. Please support the show. Check it out. The other important way to support the show. If you're at Adam versus the man.com, check out the store that CJ put together, all sorts of really cool stuff in there. And uh, I'm, I'm, we're waiting to get the beanbag chair now that we have a place to put it in the studio. Don't forget, if you're uh, a patron uh, for $5 a month or more, or a member of the Producers Club who just one membership uh, for free on the show, then you get 15% off and free shipping on your order. And, and the way we're doing that, we're not making any money. So uh, we just want, we want to get this message out. That's what it's all about. We want to include people. And we want to make this something that you can feel good about sharing with confidence as a way to help move humanity forward and express your love for the whole human family. So uh, the other way you can support us with our affiliate is by going to CigarFederation.com using promo code ADAM10, all caps, ADAM10, gets you 10% off your order there. And join us for Cigars and Sunsets Friday evenings. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook if you want to see when we're going to be doing those. It's uh, kind of like when we can, Friday evenings. Uh, sit here in Gardenia, watch the sunset. By the way, if you're not following us on Instagram, check out at the Garden of Freedom. It's And by the way, we, we had our first snow of the year a couple, uh, couple nights ago. And amazing photos from that. As Jim was joking before the show, yeah, that was our winter in Arizona. I hope you enjoyed it. But yeah, there's, uh, there's our, my princess, our, our puppy, Marilyn, in front of a bunch of snow-covered tires, all sorts of fun photos there. If you want to get more involved with that or anything else, of course, send me an email, adam at thefreedomline.com, thefreedomline.com, where you can get the Freedom Book for free in every digital format possible. And lastly, don't forget to check out makethemdebate.com. Check out my profile there. Put something together or put some money down. It's a really cool mechanism to make a debate happen where you can pledge money that you, to a debate that you want to see happen. You don't get charged until it happens. So we had a really good first debate, how to make them debate.com. And please help us out. We want to make a second one happen. 
So back to Veterans Day. Let's get our two co-hosts back up on screen here. Can we please? All right, we got – come on, TJ, too. We're not done talking about Veterans Day. Sorry, sorry. You know, we're, 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 see, we're suckers already. You know, Jim wanted to be like, oh man, just cover the news. What the fuck is this? Uh, but no, it's, it, it's, uh, you know, if, if we acknowledge the sway of government in our own lives, it is a small thing to say we will take this November 11th to have a bit of a conversation to at least address these immediate outstanding issues. For veterans, uh, we're not going to make the show all about this. Obviously, it's not a. I think I think we have to be very careful here, editorially speaking, to be absolutely clear about our intent. And I say this because as a kid, I watched the movie Full Metal Jacket. Have you guys seen that one? You've seen that, right? Of course. Oh yeah. Is it is it fair to say that like? People in the military, veterans, ninety-five plus percent of us have seen Full Metal Jacket, right? Probably, I would have seen Stanley Kubrick's one of his great works uh, about the Vietnam War. And uh, spoiler alert here: if you, if you, if you, so, if you, seriously, if, if you're going to go watch the movie, uh, and I, 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 I would recommend it if you have the time. It's not you know critical, but uh, skip ahead two minutes. So in the movie, the uh, main character goes to boot camp, and uh, one of his fellow recruits ends up committing suicide uh, in a murder-suicide, kills the drill instructor and himself. And uh, and then the second half of the movie is the main character going to Vietnam. And a lot of the classic lines, I mean, Arlie Ermey, the, the gunny, you know, became a celebrity just from this one role. There's all sorts of legends around that. Uh, but when I saw that movie as a kid, and this is where I get that line, it was Joker, and he's joking about Joker is the, is the military nickname or the Marine nickname for uh, the main character. And he says, I wanted to be the first kid on my block with a confirmed kill. That's one of that's, it, And the way he's kind of saying it tongue-in-cheek, really, it, it captures uh, just so much. But anyway, this was intended is an anti-war film. And the scenes of Vietnam are not glorious. They're, they're pretty nitty-gritty, dirty war shit kind of scenes. And, you know, the, I can't comment on what boot camp was like in that era. It does evolve over time. Uh, but this was intended as an anti-war film. And the effect on me was a glorification of war as a kid in a a general environment of militarism. And maybe it was a kind of sadism or, you know, a twist. I think when you go to boot camp, they flip the switch in your mind where you cannot be satisfied with your service uh, until you have died for your country. You know, I, I volunteered to go back to Iraq. Because I didn't get a Purple Heart the first time. Like that was, I, I would say that jokingly even at the time, but really that was that was like speaking to a core part of that motivation. So even this anti-war movie had a pro-militarism, pro-war effect on me. So I say that in context of our conversation today, to to say that I, I want to offer a really powerful alternative and point out that. There's a there's a critical difference between being a warrior, 
someone who is willing to put their life on the line for what they believe in, to protect people, to serve their community. And a soldier, someone who has signed a contract and volunteered to kill for politicians or be a, a part of that machine. And to, to, I, I think I, I forgot to finish the point earlier about, uh, you know, if you join to be a medic or something completely out of the killing possibility uh, in, in, in the military, one, they can switch you at any time. You know, every Marine Rifleman, literally, they, they will take every any, any Marine. If you deploy, no matter what your original MOS is, you, you, you might be standing guard with a rifle. Uh, you're probably not going to be out doing patrol. But uh, you might be in a convoy, which is the equivalent in these modern occupations of, of patrols. We don't do foot patrols anymore. It's all vehicle patrols. Uh, well, there are some foot, limited foot patrols in dense urban areas, excuse me. But by and large, it's vehicle patrol. Whereas in Vietnam, it was, by and large, foot patrols. Uh, you know, really major change in the texture of war over time. But this idea of being a warrior is perverted, subverted by militarism. Why do they make you shave in the military? It's not just because you might have to wear a gas mask and get a good seal. That, no, it's a feminization. It's a conformity. It, 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 it's a stripping of the divine masculine. Why do you, is it, you think it's a coincidence that the, the three of us on screen here as veterans you see with beards? No. It, it, it is an expression of, of the divine masculine in a, in a, in a petty, superficial way in, in your face. Not that superficial, right? Uh, but it, it is symbolic of the, the mentality there. And it, it is something that I think being denied to a lot of us is bad. I mean, if you grow up and you're, you're shaving your face every day and then you never join the military, you just kind of keep doing it, you don't think about it. But when you're in the military and it's like, oh, you didn't shave yesterday? You got stubble there, devil nuts? What the fuck is that? You know, you're going to get in trouble for not shaving every single day if you, if you have, you know, normal growing facial hair. It, and it's the greater alternative here. I, I hope this is loud and clear for everybody. Find a better way to be a warrior. There are so many joining the military, serving the empire. You know, I, I support the stormtroopers, just not Darth Vader. Real, no, no. He has to do better than that. And, it, you know, I hope some, if, if, if there's any other value, if there's any real value that comes out of this conversation today, I hope that you see these, the, the three of us here as veterans who did sign up ready and willing to follow orders and, and, and be a part of the war machine that I think we would all say what we are doing now is, is far more in line with the true, the true meaning of what it means to be a warrior than anything we were doing in the military. Jim, would you say that? Yeah, definitely. This movie brings back a lot of memories. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you just listening, we've got CJ playing clips from Full Metal Jacket. So many iconic scenes in the background as, as we're chatting. No, it's, it's great, CJ. I appreciate that. But, but Jim, if you would, before I, I want to give both of you the chance to really answer this question. How is 
the lifestyle that you are living now focused on libertarian activism more in line with the true warrior ethos than what you were doing in the military? Uh, well, I mean, I can't really say it any better than you've already said it. It's, you know, <laughs> you, you're pretty much spot on with it. You're not serving the, the conglomerate. You're doing what's best and doing what's right, regardless of what you're told, you know, not following orders and, you know, unless they're uh, – I hear the audio coming in now from the movie. Yeah, of course. Why do you, you give us audio for party. the sock party? Yeah, right. <laughs> That's horrible. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, definitely being a warrior uh and being a soldier is two different things and it's important that we that we enlighten people to the distinction of the difference, you know. CJ, same question. I don't know, as I'm watching this, you know, this is that scene you're talking about, you know. No, hold on, don't, uh, don't play this. That's a, that's a spoiler. That, that's like, now I told people to skip ahead for two minutes. And if you skipped ahead for two minutes and came back, you, you missed the spoilers. <laughs> what? No, no, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta play that. That's, that's like a classic. But, uh, uh, Man, like I said, I I fully took pride in being in the Marine Corps. Hey, see, hold on, I, see, I, I'm sorry. I, I don't want to skip you answering this question, but maybe we could, maybe we should do like a I'm ready to watch this suicide. What? <laughs> I'm ready to watch this suicide. No, here, no, don't even say that. You're 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 on the edge of spoilers. Who has not seen Full Metal Jacket in twenty? Okay, so no, no, stop, 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 stop. We should do the three of us, and we can do this virtually. We should do a, a mystery science theater viewing of Full Metal Jacket. It'd be like the three of us oh, doing no. commentary over no. the movie. Yeah, no. yeah. Watch no. the and we could have the three of us on the side and be no. like, watch Full Metal Jacket with Adam versus the Man. No, three veterans, no. three three anti-militarism libertarian veterans watch. Full metal jacket. All right. So to your answer, we'll talk about that later. But you're, this is this is important. How is what you're doing now more warrior than being a marine? Ooh, this is a good question. Now listen, once they say once a marine, always a marine. Do you remember the fourteen leadership traits, Adam? I used to get. They did tie buckle. Okay, right now that's how I used to motivate my young marines. I used to give them speeches on JJ did tie buckle. And I used to tell them that life will be better someday. You can choose a lifetime in this, or you can do four years, or you can get out tomorrow. The choice is yours. Um, what? And, and there's so many people that I served with that would tell me that the Marine Corps is what you make it. And... Uh, and that you can disobey unlawful orders, and you can be a conscientious objector, and 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 uh, it, and and so, yeah, no, I uh, I used to escort Marines that had done stupid shit to and from the brig, and to their court martial, and and either they went out the gate or they went back to their unit or they went back to the brig, and I met a lot of people that did a lot of stupid shit to try to get out, and. You know, I just figured, well, I signed up four years is just four years. And uh, I didn't, but what a hell of a four years when you give your whole being to 
the government, and they own you, and they can do whatever they want with you, and uh, and and uh, and 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 then you think, okay, well, I can get out on a Tuesday, but yeah, it, it just goes, it, it just goes too quick, in my opinion, for four years to to really like like you can get out in four years because most of your first few years are spent training for your MOS, your job, like so if you're choosing to do like a, be a corpsman in the Navy. You know, you're not sitting there really all the time out there on the range trying to figure out how to blow people up from a mile away or, or shoot machine guns to, you know, kill people on the other side of that hill. Um, you know, you're, you're sitting there learning how to patch bullet holes and save souls, you know. So, uh, you know, it's a, it's a different mentality, and, and people do take pride in it. So, I mean, I don't want to take anybody's pride in, in having their honorable intentions. I, I, I think that's that's ridiculous. Because then it can take away what they can do after they realize that what they were involved with. They can take yeah. those good intentions, switch it, and take those leadership traits and 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 uh, bring it out in their civilian life. So I actually wrote a song called "Civilian Life." I think you'd love the yes. song. Yes. And while and before we go to that, I, I want to just underscore something you said there, CJ, and, and, and thank you for making that distinction. What? Please play guitar in the smoke pits of Iraq. Yeah. Like, I, I, I made the best out of every day I could because I mean, we always thought, you know, you could go out onto the road and die tomorrow. Like, that's – it's a fact. Like, you go out past the wire, like, your life is on the line and you could get blown up and you could die and you could engage with people that are hostile to you. We had rules of engagement. We had training on that daily uh, you know, I mean, I can still remember being in the turret, freezing cold, one o'clock in the morning. You know, sitting there in Iraq. You know, I remember a snowy day in Iraq. Like, you know, like there's, I mean, there's, there's a lot of good that came out of it in bonding and relationships with people that had similar experiences. You know, like they were there for certain events where certain people died or didn't come back that day, and there's a camaraderie in your platoon and, and in your squad and your fire team, you know, you know, it, there's a whole structure to it. Um, there's a whole, like, it's, I, I do want to compare it to a family. They, they in, in some instances, like we fight like brothers. Uh, you know, we, we want to make sure that everybody comes home safe, especially in the job that I chose. Nobody chose to do route clearance because they thought I should go get blown up. We, our motto was more like, if we're going to have convoys, if we're going to do this, if we're route clearance, it's better for our vehicles to get hit than that sheep herder's vehicle back there. Or, 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 or one of these poor suckers in civil affairs with not quite armored. Yeah, like, like when somebody like you comes out, they're like, hey, if there's any vehicle you want to put me on before behind before we go down this road where there could be bombs, I want to be behind the metal detector one, the one that digs it up, the ones that got guns on it. You know, they've got the Marines that are trained to shoot the machine guns and all the uh, – anybody that can be hostile around, and they can dig up the bombs and blow them up right there, you know. Uh, and then they can make that safe route for commerce is what it really turned out to really be, uh, you know, is pro providing security for commerce in, in Iraq and, and Afghanistan. Um, and a lot of people that didn't, uh, you know, want to wait for the route clearance teams to go through and sweep the road for bombs – uh, you know, some of them lost, you know, you know, their, 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 either their vehicle or their lives. Um, 
I mean, when you we we came across one guy who was planting an IED. Obviously, I'd say fair to say he's against the occupation of the U.S. military if you're planting bombs in the road. Um, but uh, he uh, missed the he planted it wrong and put pressure on uh, his own pressure strip and blew himself in half. We came across that one day. That was a that was an interesting day. I've seen, you know, what happens when your, you know, your platoon mates get blown up and fucked up, and in, in, uh, when you know they don't find a bomb or one gets past the the metal detector, or, you know, it's it, it's 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 some crazy shit. People do get hurt, uh, people do die, and it it even in my time there were people that, you know, we lost in our unit. Um, in my unit, we also had people that committed suicide, you know, like, and, and, you know, we had issues. At one point, my battalion had the most uh, rambunctious, must have been the worst because we had the most Marines in the brig at one time from 1st Combat Engineer Battalion. And, uh, you know, I remember taking Marine after Marine down in the van, getting up at 3 in the morning, and, and I'd go pick this guy up, and he'd be in a he'd be in a orange jumpsuit and handcuffs, and they'd... Hand him over to me, and he's, good morning, Corporal. I'm like, all right, well, let's go get your chow, and let's get your changes over, and go put you in front of the in front of the court, and see what happens. And I'd hear some crazy stories, and you know, so like I said, I I think in my experiences, it really is what you want to make it. I decided that just four years of of doing what I said I would do. Uh, it was was probably the best route, at least. And and I did object to certain things that when I was in, you know, I uh, there were people that tried to give unlawful orders or wanted you to do things to people that I would be against. And I said no. And as a result, I was hated by a certain group of people, and I made some enemies. Fair to say. Um, I also uh, went UA one day, and uh, I guess I mean, well, when when you're witnessing to like what is going beyond hazing and into the realm of basically trying to push people into suicide, when you witness to to people treating people like they should kill themselves, and and they and they and, and the people that end up they they do go through experiences where they relate more to this guy than to your your John Batalones and your your generals and your your colonels and all that they relate more to that guy. Yeah, I've met a lot. I've met I've met all the types. You know, I actually went through uh, one of my favorite things in the Marine Corps that I went through was because I was 20 and I was drinking alcohol. They said I was an alcoholic and they put me through Alcoholics Anonymous for the military version, and it was terrible. It was terrible because I even kept telling them every day, like I'm gonna go have a drink the moment I get done with this. Like I'm going to a bar. They're gonna send me to a war zone where I have a chance of being blown up, killed, shot, mortared, murdered. You know, like, you name it, like, anything can happen out there. And so, of course, I'm going to have a beer. And uh, But, you know, I volunteered to go to Iraq, Adam. I, I volunteered. I asked, you know, it's just better to be volunteer than to be voluntold. I fought to go. And and I actually had to ask the chain of command, and I had to yeah. beg people, and I had to have, like, my I have a staff sergeant, too. When you have one on the phone for me. When you say you have a staff sergeant who helps you out with the Cigar Federation deal, I have plenty of staff sergeants and corporals and, and PFCs and Lance corporals that, that helped me get through my days. And, and uh, I've got more memories than I care to uh, to be able to recall today, but I'm not angry at all of them. I just find that the Marine Corps is what you make it, and if you want to be a war criminal, and I mean, because you can speak out at any point, you can be like, "Hey, my last mission in the Marine Corps uh, for Iraq was uh, Dick Cheney's oil run." 
where we escorted an Iraqi oil train from an Iraqi oil refinery to Al-Assad Air Base. Well, where do you think that oil's going? I mean, so it's kind of like, why, why are we really here, guys? I mean, and, and it's, you know, it's your, and I, and I was a turret gunner, Adam. I, I was the guy that had to stick my head above the, the turret and peek around and wave at traffic and shoot pen flares like, don't get too close or I have to shoot this machine gun at you and I really don't want to do that. And uh, but I had to be willing and able to do it to protect the uh, platoon. And they and and we had you know we had our company, we had our platoon, our whole battalion deployed to Iraq and Afghanistan. Like we, I mean, it it was a full on operation. I mean, we flew out of you know. I mean, it was it was a military experience. You know, I wasn't definitely not playing the saxophone. Uh, but I did learn guitar, so which was really cool. I, I started playing guitar to kind of cope with uh, the bullshit. I wrote up a bunch of songs. I I, I, I didn't. I, I wouldn't say it was necessarily. I was anti-war in war. I was I was pro-peace in war, which is like a like is, is, is and I mean I used to go in Afghanistan. I used to spend my day and if we had any free time when we were off the road, I was in the church. I was playing chess with the. Uh, master sergeant who you know would get me through these interesting conversations like this where we would talk like you know I'd ask him why don't why do you care why do you come to a war zone as a chaplain you know choose to not carry a gun while I'm sitting here dragging around a rifle every day of my life you know and and it was an interesting conversation you know like I I have a lot of days that are really kind of just I, I reflect back. I, I have a guy when I when I got when I got hit on on Super Bowl Sunday, uh, I, I ended up with chow hall duty for a while because my brain was all fucked up, and uh, and I met people from Nepal and and other countries and we would talk and have discussions about culture. Yeah. And that, oh man, I have photos of me hanging out with. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, like, the towel did, you to, did you ever go to Haditha? No, did you ever go to Haditha? I got to stop you. This is awesome, but there are a couple of things that I do want to respond to, and I want to What's that? Go see the Haditha Dam sunset. It's a very beautiful view. Well, I have I have a ton of great photos from my my one deployment, and I'm looking forward to publishing my my war memoir, which is already written. I just have to organize it with the photos. But anyway, um, there are two things, CJ, in there that I want to come back to. One, the the unique nature of the occupations and and how that has created a, a specific threat with PTSD, where you can have a rocket hit you even when you're inside the wire. Uh, you know, a, a lot, most places where you're deployed, or at least a lot of them, and certainly where we were. Uh, yeah. The thing about vehicles, um, if, if you want me to tell my one horror story about Crispy Johnny, uh, the, the thing, I, I'm, I know what you mean, where there's this, it, there's this, this crazy security situation that's created there, but also JJ did type buckle. I'm going to explain that to everybody, but first, let's go, let's go to the audience. We've got, we've got, we're like an hour into the show, and we haven't taken any comments yet as there's this horrifically irresponsible by our standards here at Adam versus the man. So Jim, how about it? Well, we're going to start at the top here. And it's funny because CJ was going down memory lane a little bit there with his (laughs) military experiences. And we have a commenter who changed their name 
Our most loyal follower has changed his name. He's no longer I'm a statist. His uh, name, uh, yes. his name to Don't Be a Statist. Yes. <laughs> yes. Still Mr. Statist. Still Mr. Statist, but yeah, <laughs> Don't Be a Statist. North Korea ha- also has a ravenous love for their military. Hmm, they, that's an interesting... That is a great juxtaposition of a choice of words there. That really is. Yeah, yeah. Not yeah, not just, that. I mean, one, pointing out what, you know, North Korea, what we, we don't like about North Korea, and then pointing out there's this fundamental similarity and he's ravenous love for military. Yeah. About sums it up. 1054 comes in and says, chess pieces are such an accurate analog to statism. Who would be the rooks, though? CJ said something about that earlier. Yeah, so the rooks, but I saw a meme one time that had like all the chess pieces, and it had a uh, obviously where the pawns, and then as it went up, you know, the queen can do whatever she wants and move wherever she wants, and the king, so the king or the queen was the largest forms of government, and then they showed the different stacks all the way down. I, I can't remember names of them. It was a good meme though. <laughs> Thank you. So here's uh, a couple people we've never heard from, or I don't recognize the names anyway, so let's get their comments in. Annie Marie says, thank you for your service as a sovereign person. They can star and stripe you all over in war, but you are starred and striped inside your morals. May freedom and peace be the truth seen inside out. Well said. Thank you. Absolutely. And Matthew Strzok says, thank you for your choice to protect freedom and liberty. Unfortunately, the political leadership for decades have abused that dedication to suit their political ends. War results from the failure of politicians. Hold on, put that back up. War results from the failure of politicians. You know, I I like this sort of perspective, but no, war results from the success of politicians. You gotta, you got to maintain this understanding of government and what politicians are. You know, I mean, you could say that if, if you really want to take what I think is a, a, a naive perspective, even on politicians that say that, oh, well, there, there are all these, you know, other forces, and yes, there are corrupt interests, but politicians are trying to prevent war from happening by and large. And that you know, might be true at this point. But it's when politicians succeed in as aggressively as possible serving their sponsors that we get war. War is the health of the state, after all. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, 1054 weighs in. Maybe this is overly philosophical, but all our decisions, good and bad, make us who we are. This show might not exist if not for your service and the regrets that came from it. Just saying. Well, yeah, I mean, if there wasn't uh, tyranny, talking about freedom wouldn't be necessary, you know, and, and I, you can say th- th- there is something special about my experience, and there is something special about the military experience overall in terms of, you know, when, like, like being a cop, when you, when you say, I'm, I'm going to be the knife hand of government, I am going to be the one, you know, pushing force on people, I'm going to be the trigger puller. Uh, you are uniquely usually revolted by that into doing something about it. But to even say that that is somehow 
special or virtuous or to blow smoke up my ass for some element of that. You know, there are plenty of other things that have that impact. So, like, I, I, I again, like, I, I kind of want to demystify militarism. Uh, and, and, and a big part of that is acknowledging that there are all sorts of other things that can propel you even in a more meaningful way. And, you know, separate from militarism, uh, you know, we talk a lot about victims of family law. Uh, our friend Chris Cole's effort to raise that issue of, you know, people who have suffered in bad divorces or with parenting legal issues, having their kids taken or threatened to be taken from them, things like that. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm the child of a really bad divorce myself. You know, like, is, is that, you say, well, Adam, that's a good thing. You know, it's, a, it's, it's, that made you the man you are today. No. No. Uh, and I, and I hope that people don't take uh, a, a similarly sort of, uh, you know, glorifying view of my military experience that uh, sort of makes it seem special that way. Does that make sense? It makes it seem okay, yeah. Kind of yeah, or normalize it. You know, and it, it's sort of like a full metal jacket. Like, I, I don't I, – I, no, like just because it's always been that way doesn't mean it always has to be that way or that, that we should keep it that way, that, that there's a the human tradition of, of warriors and militaries. Like we don't want people thinking, oh, well, I can still join the service like Adam did and turn out fine like he did. You know what I mean? We don't want to normalize that idea. Yeah. Uh-oh, and, TJ's and, coming in hot. TJ's yeah, like, yeah, no, I agree with you there, Jim. That's uh, that's my point, though. Listen, I'm not advocating for you to go try to be that kid that's going to be that first to get a kill. I'm not advocating for you to go do violence on behalf of the politicians. Don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm not saying that that that's uh, that should ever be a, an intention of somebody. But there are there are people that'll join. I've, I again, I got to go back to the intentions of the individual as the pawn. I, I the comment that came up with the the uh, analogy for the being a pawn in the, in the statist world and militarism, it, the being the the troops, the ones that are thanked are the pawns. Like thank you for your service, pawn. You know, like uh, here here's here's uh, it's just such a it's a, it seems demeaning in in a way. You know, because you'd like to think that you can hold these people accountable. Uh, I like to think that your activism and 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 being anti-war after going through it uh, only goes and serves to show that war is not what the government says it is, and the government's military is not what you think it is. And you know, I still drive past that you know Marine billboard going into Aberdeen, South Dakota, and telling somebody to join. And I'm like, if I was 20 years old again, would I do it again? Or would I go to the Space Force, you know, now that I know? You know, like, I'm, I'm kind of like, yeah, I would, if I was 20 years old, I, I still think that, you know, if you wanted to sign up and, and knowing that the World War Three could start tomorrow, we covered yesterday, you know, like, you're, you, like I knew what I was going into because of the, the, you know, the media saying, you know, oh, here's the surge in Afghanistan coming, and next thing you know, my ass is in Afghanistan, like, oh, shit, I am the surge. Like, you know, like, people's lives directly depended on the Marines around me all doing our jobs right, you know. And and so it, it's, it's kind of a different mentality when you look at it like we wanted to go in there in the, 
in the aspect of, well, there's people that are going to put bombs in the ground, which I think is it goes against the non-aggression principle. I don't know. Um, especially when civilians are, are – there's civilian casualties. And, uh, you know, so we go through, we clear the road like a morning drive-by, and anybody that wants to follow behind us can safely make it from A to B. You know, so, I, I mean, really, in all honesty, I think we saved some lives, you know. Like, I, I think that we, we – we, we, honestly. I mean, there was many convoys that we transported safely where – the people that were behind us slept that night because we were sweeping the roads, you know, like that's what I at least believe. You saved American lives in a way that made no, more. Right. Right. To me, right. it didn't matter. Who. You're saving civilian lives too, in a sense. Yeah, yeah. It, didn't, it didn't. Well, matter to I, me. I, well, I, I see. I think of a lot of the roadside bombs, like when I was there, what they were briefing us on was remote detonation. They, they weren't. They weren't accidentally killing civilians. Uh, so much as they had observers out there that had cell phone triggers or some other remote detonation device, and they would wait for the second or third vehicle in the convoy and, and hit that. Yeah, this is what I did when I was in uh, Iraq and Afghanistan. I worked in route clearance, and so I, I, I actually drove that vehicle in Afghanistan. Uh, mine didn't have a uh, RPG cage on it because, uh, you know, we were, we were given the cheap shit. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I got to drive one of those, and I got to drive a lot of them, uh, different types, different uh, places, different locations. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so to me, like, that's that's a different than, hey, man, I'm signing up to, to kill right now, you know. I, right, I trained – He's saying you have you have to admit that while you're saying yes, you removed that and you saved some people, civilian or American personnel. Not me personally. The American personnel you may have saved because of this. But he's saying if you saved a convoy of American soldiers that went on to kill some innocent civilians, then then you have to admit that you helped in that. Soldiers that went to kill civilians, like that's ridiculous, man. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, most civilians have ever been innocently killed by any soldiers. Sure. No, no. Yeah, no. I, I I'm not saying that that there isn't casualties of war. I'm not saying a, a soldier that's going out to well, do that, but he may right. have orders to kill that innocent person. See, yeah. there's, there's there's a simpler analysis here though. That's that's like uh, there's a pressure plate yes, right there. Uh, yes, government can do good things. But if it stole the money to do that, it's going to represent a net negative. You're blaming the the pawn for the the king's problem, man. I'm just saying this is what I did. This is the job field I was in. I learned learned how to dig up bombs out of the ground. We're not blaming the pawn. We're just saying that the pawn has to accept the responsibility. No, 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 hold on, hold on. Let me me draw the the, the comparison with, with my experience because I volunteered for civil affairs. Yeah, different than my what I was doing, for sure. But even, even more directly, you know, humane and righteous, you know, because we thought that we were going to be the tip of the spear rebuilding Iraq. And, and, and a big part of my story is the disillusionment of that, where uh, we were told we, we were going to be uh, the tip of the spear, essentially, in, in, in so many ways. And then get we literally there. called ourselves the tip of the spear because we uh, were. Well, in a sense, you guys were. Well, everybody in the Marines wants to think of themselves as the tip of the spear, but, you know, just the tip. Yeah. So when we went to 
uh, you know, civil affairs, it was, you know, I was thinking that we are going to be determining, you know, like leading the, 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 the effort, but instead it was infantry with areas of operation. We had to beg them to take along on their convoys to get out and do a little bit of our, our good civil affairs sort of charity work. And a lot of it was passing out money and, you know, for a little reconstruction project and salacia payments is in solace is in the same Latin root. Uh, salacia payments where it's not taking responsibility, but if a family member died, we'll give you $2,400. And it was like, if I die, my family gets $400,000 service member group life insurance, but uh, Iraqi lives, that's $2,400, whatever. And that the intent though for me was like, yeah, we're, and, and even when I left Iraq, you know, it took me a while to really admit to all of this. But, well, we had a, we had a colonel who gave himself a uh, lieutenant colonel in, in our uh, subdivision of the civil affairs group who uh, ended up giving hundreds of thousands of dollars to a guy who was funneling that money to the insurgency. And he gave himself a bronze star, basically, for his deployment. It was And, and to see how officers – oh, my God, this guy was a uh, – I don't even it, – it'll be in the book. It's fun. But I thought, like, civil affairs, you know, pass out money, get shot at, you know, shake hands, kiss babies. And, and I got to do a decent amount of that. But, you know, and, like, really, you know, I had the other experience, and I, and I, I touched on this earlier. I don't want to get too into it. But uh, overall, in, in my – what was the negative impact of my militarism? Uh, was I responsible for it? No. But the one time that I crossed the line myself in – doing sleep deprivation torture for detainees that I bear absolute individual responsibility for. And so that, that kind of burst my bubble of, of righteousness looking back on that, that whole thing. But also I knew, and I had to admit that, you know, what, what was, what we were a fig leaf, you know, for the occupation as a whole, like civil affairs was there to make the occupation look good. So they could point to and say, look, we have civil affairs troops in the field passing out money and taking hands and kissing babies and helping rebuild schools and da-da-da-da-da-da, you know, and, and all of that. And it, even if in and of itself everything I had done was righteous and positive, if I had never done anything, uh, if I had never crossed that line myself, I still would have been a part of that bigger war effort that was a war crime. He did not even listen to you anymore. He's looking for more bomb videos. To play. Yeah, all right. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's, the, he's the kind of veteran when he drives by that billboard and it's got all those Marines with their sleeves rolled up in jammies with, their, with the uh, rifles pointed downrange. He gets a chubby. So, yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, so, uh, well, you know, we've got – J.J. did type buckle. I didn't uh, know it well enough to actually – remember everyone, but as soon as CJ mentioned that, I was like, yep, because I, I never really used it, but it was always there in the textbooks. Or, you know, every unit I was in had, like, one poster of this somewhere in, in their office, and JJ Did Tie Buckle is our acronym. Who's JJ? I don't know. Uh, Mr. Judgment, because the 14 leadership traits of the Marines that they – ask NCOs to learn and, and be able to, I, I think at one point, like any, uh, in boot camp, maybe I could recite these, you know, but this, 
it, you know, it does speak to that ideal and, and, and the reinforcement of certain positive things in the military. And I don't know, maybe we could, maybe, maybe we could, you know, use this as a standard for being a real warrior, right? So let's, let's do this. J.J. did tie buckle, justice, judgment, dependability, integrity, decisiveness, tact, initiative, enthusiasm, bearing, unselfishness, courage, knowledge, loyalty, and endurance. So justice. Like, like right off the bat, uh, and, and this is you know, where, as a libertarian, I want to be like, hey, how can you have a justice system if you don't have a, a, a universal system of ethics? You go, well, how is it just to have a, a military uh, by taxes, by, by theft that essentially steals from the people paying to support it, that, that doesn't respect individual rights, that essentially is devoid of any actual proper standard. I mean, right off the bat, I, I should have done this in reverse order because the other ones are all more positive, right? But justice, like, no, that if you want to really say, I'm, I'm going to serve justice, do you join the military? No. No, no, that would be, no. The, the, I think as we've made clear that, you know, so many times on Adam versus the man, one of the ways that we look at libertarianism is that we are taking on the greatest injustices in the world. Those done in the name of the state, the single greatest source of injustice in human society today. Modern bureaucratic governments that make war. And so, no, to serve justice would be to, to stand up to government, to stand up to the theft that is taxation and the inflation tax and every other way that they violate any basic standard of justice in order to make the current system possible, to make war happen, to make militaries exist in the first place. Judgment? No. I, I guess I, I, mean, I guess maybe we got to do these with all, uh, every word here, but, okay, we'll, we'll go through the rest of them a lot quicker than that, I promise. But judgment? Uh, they want you to think that the premises of, of militarism should not be subjected to judgment, but that as a leader in judging others, you do so fairly. But as we've made abundantly clear with Adam versus the man, joining the military thinking that it is serving humanity when you volunteer to kill for politicians for money or to at least be part of the machine which does that, it is recklessly naive, which is to say, a failure of judgment. Dependability? Now, actually, this is one that I, that I, I really think is, in a sense, truly positive, uh, because there is a hey, we're going into combat. You better be dependable. You better be that guy in the fighting hole next to me who's going to do his job, who's not going to get his kill. And, and you know, if, if you're going to, whatever it is in the, in the military chain of operation, yeah, dependability. Except for equipment or vehicle armor. Never forget that everything you are using was made by the lowest bidder. But dependability, I guess I could, I could slip in a flip on this one, too, and say that, you know, if you really want to be dependable to your family and your community, doing something that serves the institution of their oppression uh, would be a failure of your dependability. Integrity? You know, and we could we could kind of try to meta-analyze integrity, but you know, I think in a practical sense, there is a higher standard of integrity in the military. But in the you know command and control structure, the chain of command, it's more of a militaristic accountability than than 
real integrity. There is, as, as uh, our producer CJ has pointed out in some of his experiences with Marines getting out and with the command, there are do we hear of failures of integrity in the military? Oh, yeah, all the time, top to bottom. So it, does the military have a, a higher standard of integrity than non-military? In some ways, yes. In some ways, no. Decisiveness? Uh, I, actually, I don't think I can think of anything negative about that here. Decisiveness, yeah, absolutely critical uh, to, to leadership, to living well. And the military, you know, sort of forces that and trains that and, and, and supports that as, as a positive thing. Tact, uh, yeah, although I wouldn't say the military is the best place to go to learn manners, but, yeah, there is a certain kind of tact and, and uh, diplomacy that you learn in the military. I don't have anything negative to say about that, except that, uh, you know, when I was in Iraq in civil affairs and I spoke very bad broken Arabic, uh, carrying a rifle seemed to be good tact because it got people to listen really closely. So in the bigger sense of tact in terms of how do we deal with the world? Should we deal with the world peacefully in commerce, in, in, in loving, free exchange, respectful of everybody's rights, or at the barrel of a gun? Should we let government manage foreign affairs for us and represent us? I would say that's not, that's not very tactful. Uh, initiative, yeah, uh, but the thing is the military kind of, in some ways, kills real initiative. I mean, they say they want you to take initiative, but that's in sort of serving your your command, serving the mission, not initiative like challenging premises or or you know, actually looking at the effect of what you're doing. So initiative, yeah, in some ways, positive from the military. Enthusiasm, I love it. I love it. You know, I get I get uh, singled out for for my uh, my energy in politics. Uh, but, yeah, enthusiasm. I, I got that, and, and I think that was encouraged by the military. I don't think I have, I have anything really bad to say about that, except that it's kind of misdirected enthusiasm, obviously. Bearing, uh, the you know, self-control, self-awareness. And I, I think they, they do actually train you in, in a positive sense to have that self-awareness. You know, like why do they teach drill in the Marines? You know, when you stand at attention, it's not just stand up straight with your arms at your side. It's, I mean, like, your feet flat on the floor, 45 degrees apart, heels touching, uh, you know, legs straight, knees ever so slightly bent, hips tucked, butt clenched, lower back straightened, shoulders back, hands with your thumbs along your index fingers at the seams of your trousers, neck straight, head erect, eyes thousand yard stare. You know, they, they, woo, yeah, a lot of details. Why? Marksmanship. Uh, but also in, in drill training instant and uh, willing obedience to orders, right? The condition, you hear a command and you just bust it out. Snap and pop. Uh, anyway, so bearing, I think it's a good training for that, although not in any way that the cost is, is justified. And I think for any warrior, having that bearing is absolutely critical uh, to be able to control your emotions instead of them controlling you in challenging situations. Uh, what what they're referring to in bearing is, you know, a, a lot more uh, to, to the issue or, you know, in, uh, in, in evocative for me, from my experience, of a kind of self-control that really is a, a positive thing for warriors to have. Unselfishness, absolutely. Uh, and in that sense, the teamwork and the unselfishness that you learn in the military, you know, like uh, even when I was in uh, – um, 
the you know, before boot camp, I was in the delayed entry program for a year. Yeah, and did the uh, you know things with recruiters like where you go to an obstacle course and team building challenges, things like that. The unselfishness absolutely it is critical to to being a warrior and, and to that divine masculine. Uh, I mean, not to say that that's not a, a feminine thing, obviously, but that there's a, there's a part of the divine masculine of, of selflessness uh, in, in, in looking out for others. And in that sense, that's uh, a, a thing that is, it's a good thing that, the, that you get out of the military uh, experience. Courage! Yes, courage. Uh, that's that's got to be one of the mainstays of, of militarism, that you're brave to join the military. And, and, and in some dimensions, yes, absolutely. And it is rewarded and celebrated uh, you know, as, as a truly positive thing in the military. But it's also extremely misdirected when you are burying the cowardice and what it means to join the military. Now, there are a couple things I mean in that. One, not, not that you're not doing something, taking initiative and joining the military, but there is something that is cowardly about saying, well, I want to be a warrior, but I'm, I don't have the courage to, to set my own path. I'm, I'm just going gonna, gonna to do what the politicians say. I'm going to pick one of these military career paths instead. I'm going to follow orders. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna think inside the box. I'm gonna live inside the box, and it, it, it within that, jumping on a grenade is is brave. But all of the toxic negative effects of war are rooted in an absolute failure of courage by humanity to stand up to our political institutions. War is when government tells you who the enemy is. Revolution is when you figure it out for yourself. And true courage for humanity and for for any of us today who say we are warriors to serve humanity, to stand up to injustice, we have to have the courage to confront militarism itself. Knowledge. Now, of course, in the military, knowledge is what comes out of a green Bible or a, a manual. Knowledge of specific facts that government wants you to know, as opposed to general knowledge. And I think knowledge is power, absolutely. And when when they say, in terms of a warrior seeking knowledge to be a better warrior, when you become an expert in what the government wants you to know, as opposed to seeing what are all the things that I should or could know, it, it, it's really a perversion of this concept. We say knowledge. It, it, what it should be is, you know, perspective, wisdom, things like that. When I say knowledge, it's, it's sort of like taking the quality out to replace it with quantity. We're just at knowledge. How many government facts can you memorize? L is for loyalty, and in a sense, I think as a warrior, loyalty has got to be to values, to principles, to people, not to institutions. And again, I think this is perverted, like so many of these other virtuous traits by militarism. 
So loyalty is, is, is a virtue, but it's a question of, of loyalty to what? And I could say from my experience that because I was more loyal to the institution, to the chain of command, I failed in my loyalty to my principles when I obeyed orders that I should have disobeyed that were illegal, uh, sleep deprivation, torture in Iraq. Uh, endurance, the last one. Of course, they want you to read this list when you're in the Marines and then go, go for a run, uh, but that's not what they're talking about here in terms of a leadership trait, obviously, but endurance of suffering. And I don't know if that's healthy at all here. I, yeah, I guess I guess you can't deny that for humanity to be able to endure as much criminality and evil in the name of militarism as we have, and still come out and say we are not going to take this shit anymore, that we can endure this and still see through it and come out stronger. We are not here because of the path that lies ahead of us, but because of the path that lies behind us. And part of being a warrior is always seeking self-betterment. And maybe you could say in, in your personal quest to be a warrior that you were misguided into militarism for a while, if you, if you want to be nice about it. And maybe if you learn from that experience and you study something like J.J. did tie Buck with a little perspective, you might come out with the endurance to stay loyal to your values, your core principles, and say, I'm going to be an activist. I'm going to serve freedom. I'm going to serve humanity. And a major part of that, if you really look at the greatest sources of injustice in the world today, you have to say, well, I, I, yeah, that means standing up to government. That means standing up to the existing power structure. If the troops defended freedom, they'd attack the government. But even that bumper sticker phrase doesn't capture really the heart of what it means to be a warrior. And if, if what we are doing as, as libertarian activists is being a kind of warrior, then you have to think about what motivates that. It's love for humanity. Uh, a, a true warrior is, is at core motivated by love. So it doesn't have to, it's not about attacking government. It's not about being anti-anything. It's about being pro-freedom and doing your best as a, to, to live the values of that message. So hopefully an examination of J.J. did tie buckle might help you reframe some of these concepts of militarism and what it means to sign up to help kill for politicians. All right, so let's get back to our comments. Uh, I, I hope C.J. Uh, appreciates how some of this uh, this critical sidebar, since he brought it up, J.J. did tie buckle, might help him and, and, and other veterans who are certainly are nearly as, as far down the path or self-aware as our, our producer, C.J., is. 
about uh, really processing and understanding your military experience. So let's get Jim and CJ back up here. Check in with, uh, with, with comments. I don't know if you guys have any response to that. And then I want to do – we do have some news stories. I want to do the uh, our Veterans Day news block with CJ and Jim on screen here. Where's CJ hiding? Dude's like, is enough screen time? No. CJ, so did, did you appreciate some of that examination of J.J. did type buckle in terms of teasing out the positive from the negative of, of our military experiences. So while you were going on your anti-militarism rant, I was just putting some images on the screen of uh, a combat engineer class video that had been put out on YouTube. It was a more recent one, but still kind of similar experience. I was, seeing, I was in that location, training in that spot, putting holes in the same spot. They, they were making boom-booms happen and learning how to work with C4 and and time fuse and all that fun stuff. And, yeah, you know, uh, I used to sit there in the parking lot, and I would, you know, J.J. did tie buckle with people. Yeah, and yeah, you just recite it, right? Imagine going to, you know, Iraq and Afghanistan being like, listen, it, it sucks. It does fucking suck to go there. You're going to sleep in the worst conditions. You could possibly die at any moment. I mean, that's pretty much a yeah, thing. Yeah, so- let me get this one point out of the way because we're we are behind. We do want to get to some headlines today and check in with the audience again before we do that. But there, there is something uh, compared, like World War II Vietnam. You know they called it shell shock, right? Uh, what was the term in Vietnam? Did they come up with PTSD first during Vietnam? Anyways, it went. You know George Carlin has a great bit about this where he says like you know that, that, that we have the uh, pussification of words, and it went from shell shock in World War II. Uh, you know, two syllables, shell shock, you know, describes exactly what, you know, you got combat. Oh, then it was, it was combat fatigue, and then it was post-traumatic stress disorder, right? And, and there is uh, a, a reduction of the overall viciousness and number of human beings exposed to death in, in, in overall. And, and I think it's a huge positive compared to Vietnam and World War II, right? But uh, there is one unique feature of these occupations that I think promotes and by occupations, I don't mean jobs. I mean occupation, military occupations of Iraq and Afghanistan. That particularly uh, promotes a certain kind of PTSD. And you, I'm sure you've heard war described as, uh, what is it, long stretches of intolerable boredom punctuated by moments of sheer terror. And that's, that's an interesting way of describing the war experience. But in Iraq and Afghanistan, because there there is no you know, behind the lines, at least for, for most deployed troops in Iraq and Afghanistan, I suppose, except for those who went from, like, one giant hardened barracks to one giant hardened office building in Baghdad, we were all subject most of the time to indirect fire. And so I, I think it's the, the level of heightened anxiety that they have, you wonder, it's not, hey, you're going from not combat to combat, and then you go back to the, the barracks at the end of the day, and now you're not in combat, you know. Uh, there is a war zone, Adam. It's expected that you could die at any moment if you're there and there's a hostile engagement. Yes, there is a part of that that is in, in, is clear to everybody that's been there. And, and so I think it's that heightened state of, of anxiety that makes, even though there's less trauma, like, I experienced a, a, you know, a very small amount of, of sort of traumatic you know, war, whatever, of, of seeing death or, or, whatever, or being you know, immediately threatened by explosives or, or 
gunfire. But uh, I think being in that heightened state of, state of anxiety for an extended period is a unique feature uh, of our experience as opposed to prior wars that makes our generation of veterans uh, vulnerable to a, a different kind of PTSD. I'm not going to get into that anymore. Uh, I want to get to the comments in our news blog. So, Jim, what else do we have for uh, critical comments at this point? Uh, okay, just a couple here. Our friend Peter Yapel suggests what I think is the only answer. Bring them all home and allow them to be proud to protect our borders if that's ever needed. Well, he said birders. I think that's more appropriate. I think we yeah, should protect our birders. No, let's not. I don't want to. I don't want to protect government borders. Protect oh, private birders. property. Protect communities. <laughs> All right. Yeah. yeah no, I'm, I'm, I'm with the you. Bird there. watchers. We got to save them. Protect the birders. Save the birders. Save the birders. I'm an amateur birder myself here. Enthusiast of the birds here in Gardenia. I need to get one of those spotting scopes that you can attach a cell phone to to get some some really good pictures here. But we have it. We have a cool selection of birds out here. Anyway. Uh, Peter also asks a question uh, you can answer quickly probably. Are you still proud to be a Marine even though you disagree with why you were sent and what you were made to do? No, pride is a sin, and I don't take that as a a religious doctrinary thing, but I I am very uh, cautious in that sense uh, of our impulse to pride and that it can contribute to ego in a counterproductive way. But in terms of proud, it's not that I'm proud so much as that I have a certain awareness, a self-awareness that is positive that might tempt me to pride. So I will say that uh, in that sense, I can look at the fact that I graduated from boot camp and I survived a combat tour and had all these, you know, accomplishments. Check, 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 check. Ah, All right, cool. I have these capabilities. Good for me. And I have certain positive intentions, and, you know, that, that are, are, are core to who I am, uh, essential to the core of my being. But I can also look at it and say uh, how vulnerable I am in the self-awareness to being duped into that wanting to kill for politicians. Like, I really wanted to. CJ, you had a response to that, didn't you? Young people from all over the globe are joining up to fight Starship for the troopers. <laughs> I'm doing my part. I'm doing my part. <laughs> Become a citizen today. <laughs> They're doing their part. Are you? Join the mobile infantry and save the world. Service guarantees citizenship. <sighs> yeah. Would you like to know more? <laughs> all right. What, what else? We have for comments, Jim, before we get okay, started. Vincent Willis says, I am glad I caught this live stream. Just want to listen to what you all have to say and welcome home, he says. Yeah, so that, thank you. Uh, this is someone I know as D. Vincent W. Vincent, Vincent Willis w. from back in the days of Iraq Veterans Against the War. He was uh, active with the anti-war movement then. And it's a, like about what do you say when you meet someone and, and find out that they're a veteran? Uh, don't say thank you for your service because that's a pro-militarism statement to say that you were serving because uh, who are you serving? Bankers, politicians, and war profiteers, not the people. No way. And so, uh, I, you know, we would say welcome home. And it doesn't matter if you're deployed or not. 
it, you know, it's sort of like, oh, welcome home. You know, like you know, back from training, back from whatever. Even to even to an older veteran like Jim, uh, Jim, do you, do you say stuff when people say thank you for your service if they find out, or you get a, you go for your discount at, at Home Depot? Uh, no, I never go for any discount. I never ask for any discount. I never mention it. Most people don't. If I do come across somebody that finds out through conversation in the family gathering or something, I just ignore it, uh, you know, I'll, or I might even say thank you and just ignore it because it, usually it's at a family gathering and I'm trying not to be combative or anything like that, you know. I might, I might, however, later on in the evening after getting to know the person a little better, Give them a few sentences just to let them know a little further afterwards, you know. I'll put a tag right. on them to let them know, okay, i got to get to this person. <laughs> but at least if someone said welcome home, you couldn't object to that statement, right? Yeah, well, I didn't go anywhere. That, you, went to left, you left home oh, well, to this yeah, strange okay, parallel yeah. universe of the U.S. military. Yeah, All I right. suppose that's true, yeah. It and felt it, like it a little bit. All right, guys, stay on screen for just a minute here for this first news block. The first story from NPR.org, New Memorial recognizes generations of military service by Native American veterans. Oh, yes, pandering, pro-government militarism, and I don't, I don't, I don't racism. I mean, that's not, obviously, it's kind of reverse racism, uh, but, yeah, there is now, uh, now, now we've, we've, this has been a sort of theme of, of modern American militarism to talk about code talker or uh, um, the Navajo, what was the Navajo code? Oh, now I'm like, the names, you know what I'm talking about, right? Anyway, there's a movie. <laughs> it was a good movie. Uh, but yeah, now Native American veterans can celebrate their betrayal of their people to service of the white man's government. Just like the rest of us, and, and now there's a special National Native American Veterans Memorial. So much pandering, so much wrong with this, and yes, the, the, the historical awareness is, uh, is worthwhile, but obviously this is problematic. Problematic, to say the least. Any other thoughts on that, guys? <laughs> I... Yeah, you nailed it. Pandering 101, basically, and it's uh, ironically disgusting to me the the you know steal a nation from a group of people and then make a monument to the people that died defending your monument the to Uncle colonizers. Tom. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't know. It's like four levels of fucked up, man. It's not cool. <laughs> yeah, no, that, 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 like, that's like a great point, Jim. Like you really have to like there's. I, I, maybe to us as libertarians who, who have a, a decent historical awareness and appropriate sensitivity to racial issues, uh, we, you know, we look at this and it's sort of like it's oh yeah, this is four at least four levels of like you say fucked up yeah. on so many levels. Yeah. You, usually, that usually that's metaphorical, right? It's not like well, it's fucked up on the physical level and the metaphysical level and the emotional level and the spiritual level. But you look at this and you go. Yeah, it's fucked up on the militarism level, the nationalism level, the American historical abuse of Native Americans level, the betrayal level. The, oh, there's just like, whoo, like the, the you know, we, we colonized, and I don't say we, you know, I say we as the white people, right? But, you know, that, that uh, Native Americans were the victim victims of imperialism and colonization. And then the triumphant 
victimizers here make a monument to those in, in this particular victim class who betrayed their communities to serve the people who the victimizers. I, I don't. I just yeah. There's there's so much to flip around here. All right, the next one, and I CJ. This is going to be a bit of a personal one for you. This is from. Uh, Abdul Qadir Siddiqui, and by the way, Siddiqui is uh, my friend in, in Arabic. Uh, that this is from Yahoo.com. Uh, Afghan woman shot blinded for getting a job, and and this is one of the stories that was shared today through the Producers Club, as as most of our headlines are. And the, I think the comment in the Producers Club was something like, "Look how much better y'all made it for people in Afghanistan. Look how much we, uh, you know, look how much we've liberated them." So just to the story, the last thing 33-year-old Katera saw were the three men on a motorcycle who attacked her just after she left her job at a police station in Afghanistan's central Ghazni province, shooting at her and stabbing her with a knife in the eyes. Waking up in hospital, everything was dark. I asked the doctors, why can't I see anything? They told me that my eyes are still bandaged because of the wounds, but at that moment I knew my eyes had been taken from me. She and local authorities blamed the attack on Taliban militants who deny involvement and say the assailants acted on a tip-off from her father who vehemently opposed her working outside the home. For Katera, the attack caused not just the loss of her sight, but the loss of a dream she had battled to achieve to have an independent career. She joined the Ghazni police as an officer in its crime branch a few months ago. Now, how much of the story is true versus, you know, militarist propaganda? You know, this might be, oh, we got to go back to Afghanistan. Ha <laughs> ha, look, they've got... Ooh, still, bad guys are still there, and you know we need to help fix this backwards country. So, uh, is this being misrepresented, or or, or is this accurate? Uh, I, we'll maybe save that for another conversation. But CJ, how do you feel when you look back on stories like this, or like in Iraq, even when when we see, you know, remember just a few months ago, uh, we were on the brink of a re-escalation in Iraq under Trump with uh, the back and forth of Iran. I, 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 when I think back to, I mean, even when I saw ISIS years ago, right, you know, the rise of ISIS, and everybody was like, yeah, we kind of screwed up there, didn't we? It's, there, there's a weird visceral feeling of I sacrificed, I risked my life, I watched other people die for nothing, uh, for, for to be a party to a war crime that didn't even accomplish the positive things that were used as an excuse for it. CJ? Let me say a bunch of fucked up shit. Back to you, Al. Did that one too heavy for you? No, it's just we're beating a dead horse, but it's <laughs> good. Um, yeah. So what's it like to be a war criminal? Well, you know, fucking CJ, what do you think? I don't know. Fuck. I guess say every day now, I love going to work telling everybody I'm a war criminal. You're an unwitting accomplice in a war crime, an un- unknowing accessory. Uh, yeah, no, I, I can't. I can't wait to tell all my friends. I, you should. <laughs> no, this is this is CJ. This has always been an important part of my message, and with the Rock Veterans Against the War, this is really at the core of it, in, in in facing up to our role in the war crime that is the global war on terror. 
Yeah, and we got a medal for for my participation in it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm a decorated oh, veteran. Decorated for sure. Yeah, they they decorated me. All right, don't be disappointed. Jesus. Give CJ the Medal of Honor already. There's way more Marines I could name off before I would even want to come close to that thing. So, you know, this, this makes me peak, want to that's do, the like... Peak, that's, like, the peak of the peak of the mountain. I, this makes me want to do... I get you on Joe Rogan. I, I, I want to do a an annual awards ceremony for, for freedom activists. And, you know, we can have... We, we'll even have our own version of the Purple Heart. You know, for anybody who's, who's experienced police brutality or yeah, jail time from their too. activism. You want to know what's crazy about technology, Adam, is that there was a video I saw from the day that I got the Purple Heart in Iraq. And uh, uh, I don't remember that day at all. Like, I, I, I was knocked the fuck out. And the whole time is a blur. But, like, uh, I, you know, I, I was told I shit my pants. Uh, I mean, I, I, and then I was told I didn't shit my pants, but, you know, I mean. Give, give our audience a basic understanding of the, the circumstances and physicality of your injury, please. I was in the turret when a bomb went off and knocked me out. It was an ID, right, that you driven over? No, it was a C-130 Spectre gunship coming in hot. Of course it was an IED. I was in route clearance. Of course it was an IED. All right. Um, and, and what did you, aside from being knocked out and the concussive effect of that, what else did you experience physically? Uh, well, you know, my, my shoulder was a little fucked up. Uh, I mean, I was in the turret of a seven-ton. So if you know what a seven-ton truck is, I was in the turret of one of those with a mine roller, and we were going up a hill, and, you know, the mine roller hit the bomb like it's designed to do, but you know, I just I got knocked out. And the people that were in my truck, they got fucked up too. Um, and you know, it, it, it was the only time I experienced an IED blast myself. I mean, some in my platoon hit, got hit twice, you know, um, yeah, you know, after that it was a, it was a, oh shit, you know, Hey, we might go out on the road and somebody might not come back the next day. You know, this is, this is when you know that there's really bombs in the ground. So. All right. Our last headline in our veterans day news blog comes from, Al Jazeera, Yay. Saudi Arabia, several wounded in blast at World War I Memorial in Jeddah. Explosion at cemetery during international World War I commemoration ceremony strongly condemned by Kingdom France and others. There's kind of, there's a weird irony to this. Of If you remember, like, what this is, this was actually an internet, and most Americans, again, don't think of this on Veterans Day, but in the rest of the world, it's, it's, Armistice Day, the, the day of the declaration of the truce to end World War One, And this was at an international ceremony commemorating the end of World War One. You know, it, it, I get it if you're a, a terrorist of opportunity and there's some other motivation here and the ceremony is largely a meaningless, you know, statist ritual. Okay, fine. But it's like you're protesting... An end of war ceremony? Is, is this like it's like it's a pro World War One type of was like yeah bring back the great wars you know kind of it, it, there's so many different ways you could take this um, but yeah uh, obviously the global war on terror didn't end terrorism which might make you say that we lost it 
Guys, any uh, any any thoughts on that or comments before we uh, we get to our main news block for the day? Here's, here's some fucked up shit about militarism. Back to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> if our message was yeah, see, yeah, I, I take pride in this. I'm like out anti-militarisming uh, a fellow libertarian. Oh yeah, I'm more anti-military than you are. And just to go back to this, the fa- I want to make this point since you brought us back to that bigger point, CJ. Before I let you guys go. And, and I know we only have a few minutes, but we are going to skim critical headlines for the day. Uh, that uh, this this idea of of being, you know, anti-militarism really used to be and originally was at the heart of what it meant to be American. As the founders of this country were explicitly opposed to standing armies. That was the term they would use. So they were so opposed to it, they created it. That's how fucking great it is. Well, so today we think of the terminology military and militia, whereas back then militaries were were the abnormal thing. And armed and aware citizenry and communities defending themselves, that was more the norm. And they said from their experience with the uh, tyrannies of Europe that militias defended free people and militaries defended governments. And, and that really is the core uh, of the difference that our founders spoke to. Now, I say founders as in those who said, fuck you to King George, we're not going to be part of your empire anymore. Not the framers who, with an illegal coup that gave them the power with a new strong central authority to have a central bank and institutionalized slavery and taxation and intellectual property and, of course, a standing army. Uh, those were the framers who screwed it up for the rest of us. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, Jim, before we get to our main news block, any, any other comments from the audience? Uh, a couple comments here. Earn Your Earn says, I can't say what you say because I'm not a veteran. More vets must speak out. Uh, you know, hold on. I, it's not – it's, it's yes, it is a great point, but I got I to gotta rephrase it. To make it to make it true in a very important way, that first part you can't say what you say, uh, or you, when you say I can't say what you say because I'm not a veteran, that's not it. Uh, you can't say certain things, but those are appeals to authority or a, an appeal to my individual experience, a, a appeal to anecdote as opposed to logic and reason or, or, or evidence even. Uh, yes, I'm presenting evidence from my experience as a veteran, but that shouldn't be critical to determining your worldview. So, and I'm not saying that we don't have a unique voice in speaking out as, as former soldiers or Marines or whatever, uh, or former cops even. The Praetorian class, those who protected. A Praetorian is, a, I think, a Roman term for the Praetorian Guard that defended the emperor. But I'd like to think of the Praetorian class in the United States of cops and soldiers who uh, protect the current power structure around government. And for those who, in, in the general population, who are unable to question their worldview, their premises, their loyalty to illegitimate authority, without that emotional appeal of hearing a veteran say this, yeah, we, we have a, a certain ability to reach the people for whom, hey, you should listen to me because I was a veteran, you know, that to, to whom, for whom that is relevant, but it shouldn't be. Hey, uh, 
for, I, I guess I can't, t- I was going to tell a joke, but I can't tell it to Jim or CJ, so I had to tell it to the audience. How many veterans does it take to screw in a light bulb? You want to know, you weren't there, man. <laughs> and uh, I hope that sort of, at least in a dad joke kind of way, helps puncture that appeal uh, to something that is not based on reason and logic. I like that. Uh, something fun from Joshua Blessing here. I would totally join the Space Force and fight aliens. <laughs> <laughs> if it was legitimately aliens that the Space Force was created to fight, a lot of people would consider it, but we know better here. So, All right. We're gonna, we'll are gonna we come back to comments quickly to wrap this up. Let me get to a couple headlines, guys. The next one, blogs.va.gov. This will be in the links. Just a quick note. The headline is, to help non-filers, IRS sets November 10 as National EIP Registration Day. That's not, that wasn't the yesterday, it was the deadline. Just starting this, this is, uh, you can register at irs.gov for economic impact payment. This is particularly relevant for veterans because a lot of veterans are living primarily on disability or their income is off the record uh, one way or another. And it is, uh, so there's an economic impact payment you can apply for. I'm not saying you should, but I wanted to remind everybody to look into this, at least, and the link will be in the notes. But as I said earlier in the show, we're still, oh, what is going on with the election, right? And I've, I've said that it, it, a big part of who is the president, what determines where we actually go, is based on consensus. And, you know, that's really, that's, that's a big part of the, the political process is, building a critical mass of consensus that we should all go along with the edicts of government or at least enough a critical mass being like enough to support the Praetorian class so that trigger pullers can enforce the will of politicians. Uh, so this headline from The Sun kind of speaks to that. Joe Doubt. Really? The, 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 the puns of the... Of, oh, God. Mm. Joe Doubt, nearly 80% of Americans except Joe Biden won the presidential election with just 3% saying Trump was reelected. Bull shows. Now, this is, you know, he has been beat. This is the propaganda war, the paradigm war, the mass of public opinion. And if this is true, although this in and of itself could be manipulated, there's only 3% that actually believe Donald Trump. Now, uh, this is a Reuters Ipsos National Opinion Survey. How honest or accurate is it? I don't know. But assuming that it's reasonably in line with the reality now where, you know, 80% of Americans believe that Biden won, only 3% believe that Trump won, you know, that could change. And this is where, oh, well, we, we believe that the authority of the Supreme Court could change this. And so if the Supreme Court comes out and rules in favor of Donald Trump in one of his, his lawsuits, then, you know, this could change radically. But for now, it does seem like as, as sort of predictable, excuse me, that, that, that greater momentum is swinging towards Joe Biden at, at pretty decisively at this point. Uh, but, hey, maybe I'm falling for it and promoting this propaganda. And I, I don't know. Like, I've, I've, i got to be willing to question all of my premises. And one of the things that always, you know, checks me on this is, and, you know, this is, this is not just driving around on tour as a presidential candidate earlier this year, uh, going for the Libertarian nomination and last year. Uh, but, you know, like here in Arizona, Trump bumper stickers, Trump signs, no Biden stickers, no Biden signs, almost none. I mean, it, it, it is 
the, the lack of enthusiasm for Biden, except as the anti-Trump and not much else, is really kind of frightening. All right, I know we're, uh, we're, we've got just a minute left before we get to two hours, so we're going to wrap up. We're going to skim some critical news headlines uh, and, then, and then get to, uh, get to, get to the good news and, and wrap this up. Uh, from the L.A. Times via Yahoo.com, single Nevada case shows utility of Trump effort to revolt, re- reverse election results. Now, you know, mainstream media sources, and I'm, I'm not here like a Trump can to say, oh, the whole thing is rigged against Trump, and he's the answer to the status quo. When he's, no. Uh, but there is manipulation here. So it would be you know, sort of irresponsible of me to sort of just present this all as unquestionable fact. And there is an incentive uh, by the mainstream media to stabilize things. I think the greatest motivation of the super class right now is to to restore people's faith in the system. So President Trump's allies have been scouring the country for voter fraud in hopes of invalidating President-elect Joe Biden's victory, and they've unleashed a flood of unsubstantiated and untrue allegations. Now, one of the things about Trump that is that is really genius, and this goes back to his announcement that he was running for president, we said about Mexicans, about Mexican immigrants. They're, they're, they're rapists, they're murderers, they're not sending their best people. He never said all Mexicans are mur- or all Mexican immigrants are murderers and rapists and criminals, but the language was deliberately vague enough. I think, I think Trump's doing this intentionally. And so he's do, he, because then it triggers his opposition to interpret it negatively in a way that seems silly or uncredible. And this is very true right now with the whole voter fraud thing. Remember, when you hear a Republican and a Democrat saying, they're a bunch of lying, cheating criminals, they're both right. And when it comes to voter fraud, if you, if you know anything about how, I mean, if, maybe I take it for granted that, that, that every American has a, you know, a certain understanding of the system. I have most of a master's degree in political management and a chunk of an, an undergraduate degree in political science. Uh, but fraud at, at the highest levels uh, of American politics is a continuous thing that both old parties are engaged in. So when Trump, Trump is just the one calling attention is because he, if he's the first, maybe it plays to his favor more. But when he says, oh, there's voter fraud against me, he's totally correct. There absolutely is. But there was also a lot of voter fraud in his favor. So, yeah, I don't really care to play this as a partisan game does it favor Trump or Biden more? Uh, because they're all a bunch of lying, cheating criminals. Uh, among the claims, a van dropped off fake ballots at an election office in Nevada. Election observers were barred from watching votes being counted in Michigan. Late ballots were improperly counted in Georgia. All of these stories are either unproven or false. Now, this gets back to 2016. When the left, remember, they were, I think this was the first time in American history we saw such a visceral rejection of an elected president. He lost the he lost the popular vote, won the electoral college, and was made president. Uh, if you voted against him, oh man, that's got to piss you off. Trump derangement syndrome is a real thing. The the, the first white it's, I, I think this was the first widespread use in American history of not my president. And they, they, they were presses writing this in marker across their foreheads after Trump won. And Trump has said 
and, and use this point to his advantage over his presidency that the election never ended. They kept pushing this Russia conspiracy. That the only reason, the only way we could have elected someone who disagrees with me and is so bad like Trump would be if the Russians interfered. And so now we're just sort of like skipping ahead. I, I'd like to think that this is an acceleration of the self-destruction, the self-destruct cycle of government as it gets to the sort of hyper-partisan competitiveness that ultimately should shake people's faith in the system entirely and lead to a greater fundamental change. So I think we can have that to look forward to as, as we see this uh, fight actually still ramping up. Uh, so there was definitely cheating in this election by both Democrats and Republicans. And the big question here is, is how much do they cheat away from Joe Jorgensen, the Libertarian nominee, who I think is still being reported in, in the national popular vote as low as 1.1% despite polling much higher than that at numerous points during the campaign by the, the rare, honest survey that even included her as a, as a fair option. and. You know, if they're cheating or adding votes as many as they can get away with for Trump and Biden, you know, did what was Joe's real percentage? How many were taken from her? How many were added to the old party candidates in a way that, that skewed the percentage of, of her uh, votes in the overall popular vote? But if you're looking at these numbers from government at all and going, oh, yeah, that's got to be fair and accurate, no. no. Like, you got to be learning – to question this whole thing fundamentally, and I think more and more Americans are. Uh, the big headline today from Drudge Report was about record hospitalizations for COVID. There's always a new record being broken. So many numbers, so many statistics, so many things to read. Uh, just a quick paragraph from the top of this story from the AP. The U.S. had a record number of coronavirus hospitalizations Tuesday and surpassed 1 million new confirmed cases. In just the first 10 days of November, amid a nationwide surge of infections that shows no signs of slowing. So, yeah, this is this is the new fear is that, you know, and I, I'm pretty sure I predicted this. I don't know in, in what exact terms, but that once they get tests out, like I, my, I think my original analysis was that they were delaying getting tests out. So the virus virus would spread ahead of the tests into the population so that at any point later they could get more test kits out and go, oh, my God, cases are surging. And it's like, no, testing is surging. The virus was already there. But uh, don't want to get too far into this in our, in our overtime headline segment today. We will be coming back to this and continue to deconstruct the uh, corona fear-mongering while looking at this scientifically and acknowledging what a genuine threat it is, although one that doesn't ever justify violating individual rights or stealing from people, right, like government. Uh, next headline from WashingtonPost.com, Florida Governor DeSantis' new data analyst and anti-mask sports blogger pushing coronavirus conspiracies. And you, I just had to share this. Uh, I, I think someone put this in the producer's slip chat as well, but that headline, the way that they are just, Oh, my God, the crazy conspiracy theorists are infiltrating the government. That's how the left uh, or, or the sort of pro-mask establishment is spinning this story. And the demonization of this guy, Kyle Lamb, is is really it is really stunning. Um, and so last week, Kyle Lamb, a little-known sports blogger who moonlights as an anti-masker, 
announced he had been hired to do data analysis, quote, including but not limited to COVID-19 research for the governor of Florida. Um, so, yeah, they, they're really trying like, – I'm going to be watching this guy because they're trying to discredit him really hard in advance here. A uh, lot of his appeals to authority. Uh, I, I, you know, Kyle, uh, best of luck in tamping down the government's response to, to Corona in Florida, at least, or, or bringing some logic and reason into the conversation. Uh, so anyway, I hope we get some follow-up stories about him. Um, we were also sent this link in the Producers Club chat to advocate.me.wixsite.com, Cops for COVID Truth, the project. Australians are having a globalist agenda pushed upon them and the police used to do it. May the force be with you as we watch on with fear as Europe's flu season begins. COVID-19 cases spike and governments start implementing even more harsh lockdowns. It's difficult to feel positive as we bear witness to what appears to be a cycle we are likely to encounter again. So uh, there's, there's a lot to this, but the li- again, there's something you just, if you want to get into this, Cops for COVID Truth and Australian Activism Project links will be in the notes. Um, another one from uh, Australia, New South Wales police officer probe over virus letter from tenterfieldstar.com and officers in hot water after purported, purport, purportedly penning a COVID-19 conspiracy-laden letter, open, uh, open letter, to New South Wales Police Boss Mick Fuller. The letter uncovered by AAP Fact Check questioned the legitimacy of Australia's actions to curtail the spread of coronavirus, the severity of the disease, and the police enforcement response. So just a reminder of where we're at with censorship and and some of the, you know, institutional effects just as a consequence of... Jim? I don't know what happened. I heard shit. <laughs> what, was he, what was he going to say next? He's saying, damn it, stupid Wi-Fi box or whatever. Damn it, damn it, damn it. I don't, I don't what know was Adam going to say clicked, next? I think he might have clicked a button that oh, what are you doing, Jim? You. I didn't right. do anything. Well, let's go ahead and knock out the promos for everybody. Since yeah, that's a good idea. All right. You know, I think, yeah. so, again, you can go to Adam versus the man. Dot com. Click on Patreon. That'll take you to our Patreon, where $10 will get you access to our Producers Club and our Telegram chat. And, uh, you know, or you can just help out and be an okay patron. We, we, would, we appreciate the okay amongst you. And, uh, yeah, I guess Jim's getting ahead of me as well in... Uh, in this as well, well you can yeah, also it, it it plays while you're promoting the patrons because if they sign up for a patron, oh, percent off. Truth, if you are one of our better patrons, yes, at the store, you can get fifteen uh, percent off and free shipping. And Adam's right, we don't really make much on, on this, but uh, you know, it's nice to see that you really do have the options to support the show. I mean, we have freedom sandals. I mean. We got a freedom beanbag chair. We got beanbag chairs and bucket hats. We got everything you could possibly want. I have this uh, packable jacket. I love it. Uh, as you can see, my right? laptop cover is traveling its way across the United States yeah. as we speak. Our hats, our hats are pretty clean. Uh, you know, I, I, I like I like the merch at the store. So uh, for sure, 
what else do we have? Uh, we got a guess as to what Adam was going to say. He says Adam was going to say, "Really, really." <laughs> yeah, it was. It was shit. But uh, let's see here. Oh, Cigar Federation. I still have yet to uh, smoke my cigar, but uh, I do know that if you go to cigarfederation.com. And use the promo code Adam10. You can just type that in there and get 10% off and help help support the show this way. I can't wait to try it, but again, I'm, I I think I want it to be more of a celebratory cigar, you know? Like, or maybe. Oh, you haven't even tried know. one yet. I haven't even tried it yet. No, I, I'm I'm waiting for it to be a special special moment, and then of course Adam would like to, you to know to go to make them debate and uh, make him debate. I want to hear some good debates. I'm, I'm tired of uh, I'm tired of uh, not hearing some debates. We want to hear some debates. I want to hear Statist Adam versus uh, Steven Crowder. I think that would be a, a great conversation to have. But uh, but our fearless leader is back. So uh, what were you going to say next, Adam? <laughs> we still don't know. Can you hear us? <laughs> Yeah. I can hear you. Can you hear me? Oh, okay. Yeah, we can hear you. We All can right. Hear you too. Awesome. You're on video. You're <coughs> okay. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I I apologize. Technical difficulties. My- oh, we lost him again. I guess, and he sounded like he was in the tunnel that time. He's going through some major technical difficulties right now. Yeah, maybe the CIA paid him a visit, and they're giving him some challenges to overcome. Hey, there we go. I think I got a better connection now. All right, now you guys see why I normally don't use my laptop. I apologize for that. Totally my fault on the uh, technical difficulty there. Oh, geez, can't even make this look right. All right, so I, I, I apologize for that. I guess we're over time. We really need to wrap this up. I just That was my phone reminding me, no, Adam, you don't have enough battery to do more than two hours today. But uh, there's really only one other critical, uh, urgent headline, I suppose, worth sharing about corona, and then we'll wrap this up from New York Post, NYPost.com. New coronavirus lockdown in Greece requires people to text authorities before leaving home. Yeah, at least it's high tech, and they are making oppression as convenient as possible. All right, that being said, I want to get Jim and CJ back up here to, to help wrap up today's uh, Veterans Day, Unintentional Veterans Day special. I hope you all enjoyed this. Jim, CJ, uh, did you guys guys do promos while I was gone there? Sounded like Yeah. Yeah? All right. You're muted, CJ. He knows he's muted. Okay. (laughs) We've been here. We know we did promos. He doesn't. He's still kind of glitchy. Yeah, he's lagging pretty hard. You still yeah. with us? Adam, right. oh, yeah. c- come in. Come in, Gardenia. Hold on, there's something I can do here. All right. Did Welcome that improve my at all? I quit Telegram. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Off-grid problems. Yeah. Verizon. That, that, it, his last words, which were known to be Verizon. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, dude, Jim. Jim, there's a just for a sneak peek for everybody who made it this far. Uh, I have the last words of every statist president in history that they could have, and, and I and I kind of I think some of them are pretty funny. Adam's trying to connect in, but I don't have a solid enough connection. Yeah. So, oh. 
Uh, what about, MT what? Matter still waiting on his freedom shirt. MT Matter. I don't. I, I checked. I checked. I checked the orders. Uh, MT Matter. You're gonna have to get with me. Uh, I don't uh, see an order for you but, uh, in the in the uh, email him at producer at the freedom line. <clears throat> producer at the freedom line dot com. Uh, I, I don't see it uh, processing or anything. Peter Yapo wants to know: Do you have a freedom AK? LOL. Oh dang. We're not there well, yet. Well, I guess we're closing Adam's show today. I don't know. Should we do uh, Jim versus the man? Because we got battery. We can just start a whole new show up. And just... <laughs> we got battery. <laughs> I don't know what he's talking about. We can. We don't have this problem. Maybe, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I guess, uh, yeah, that's yeah, about it. Yeah, I guess it. we should close it out if he's not going to make it back. All right. Well, how does he say it, Jim? Okay. Uh, I'm going to do it as Jim versus Man because that's fun. I don't get to click that button very often. <laughs> so, as always, peace and love, y'all. Be excellent to each other. I don't even remember how he says it exactly. Peace and love. <laughs>